0: Today, through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to secure me from snares of devils, from temptations of vices, from every one who shall wish me ill, afar and a near, alone and in a crowd. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lie, Christ when I sit, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Some popular hero, To a penny, sixpence a dozen.
1: My name is O'Sheen. Mm, doesn't give much
0: away, does he? Well, O'Sheen, what's your trouble? What can we do for you? There's
1: nothing much can be done, I'm afraid, for the likes of me. Now, now, don't be like that. Anything's possible if you trust in God. Which God do you mean? There's not one of them might have any faith in Not now, not now that Finn and the Fianna are gone. Ah, generous, good-hearted Finn that if the autumn leaves were gold itself and the white wave silver and they in his gift, he'd have given them all away. They just don't make them like Finn anymore.
0: I'd like to know more about Finn and the Theona, since you hold them in such esteem. It's best to know what you're up against when you're in the business of proselytizing. Here, O'Sheen, put up a pew. Now, what sort of thing did the Theona do? I mean, uh, how did you put in the
1: day? The best day's hunting we ever had was on Arran. Arran of the many stags with the sea all around her, an island on which whole companies were fed. Skittish deer on the peaks, blackberries in the heather. There were greyhounds and beagles, blayberries and sloes and beechmast. There were trout bigger as salmon in the cool streams, fat wild boars in the wooden clearings. But most of all, the deer were dear to me.
0: Oh, she you paint a lovely scene. Was she ever bored, though?
1: Adam and Eve got tired of Eden. You choose the life that chooses you. And it was a hard life, too. Till a man had accomplished twelve books of poetry, he was not taken on by Finn. No man was taken. Till a black hole was hollowed in the world to the depth of his two oxters, and he put in it to gaze from it with his lonely head, and nothing to him but his shield and a stick of hazel. Then nine warriors would fly their spears at him. If he was spear-holed or spear-killed, he was not taken for want of spear skill. No man was taken, till he was run by warriors through the woods of Erin, with his hair bunched loose about him for bow, tangle and briar twitch. If branches disturbed his hair or pulled it forth like sheep wool on a hawthorn, he was not taken. If he crackled a twig under foot of full gallop, he was not taken. He had to negotiate neck-high sticks by vaulting, knee-high sticks by stooping. With his eyelids stitched to the fringe of his eye bags He was run by Finn's people through the bogs of Aaron With two odorous prickle-backed hogs ham-tied And asleep in the seat of his hempen drawers If he sank in a bog hole or lost a hog He was not accepted by Finn's people Mm.
0: You can't expect me not to take all that with a pinch of salt Take it whatever way you
1: like For five days, I myself sat on the brow of a cold hill with twelve pointed antlers hidden in my seat, all the while without food or music or chessmen to comfort me. When pursued by a host, I would stick a spear in the ground and hide behind it, likewise behind a twig or under a stone, or I would vanish at full speed into the seat of my hempen drawers without changing course or abating my pace or angering the fiend. You fought the good fight and finished the course, I suppose. I did indeed. And that was with two young fosterlings that I carried under me oxters through the whole of Erin, and six arm-bearing warriors in my seat together. When pursued in a chariot by the men of Erin, I would dismount, place horse and chariot in the slack of my seat, and, as usual, hide behind my spear. I heard tell of the Irish inventing
0: the trousers, but this is preposterous. And all this rubbish
1: about hiding behind your spear. When pursued by a host, Have you never hidden behind a crozier? Sure, you were nothing without religion. Aren't you the one who was captured by Neil? That's right. Neil of the Nine Hostages, as he styled himself. I don't want to take away from the mystique of the thing, but I knew Neil of the Nine Hostages personally. He was a big baby, a milksop. I can remember when his racket was torturing cats and stealing milk off people's doorsteps. Neil of the Nine Hostages, my foot... You should have seen the other eight. They were grandmothers, every last one. Now, listen here.
0: I'd thank you to have as much regard for the facts of my life as I have had for the fictions of yours. I was an impressionable boy when Neil and his crew carried me off to Antrim. To Slemish, wasn't it? To Slemish.
1: Pigs and more pigs, and only pigs will to eat. Slemish is a lovely spot of a summer's day the yellow winds and the purple heather and the stags belling over the hills and the waterfalls and the lovely pools. A great place for watercress. As much watercress as you could eat. You didn't
0: care for Slemish, though. Watercress is all very well, but not as a principal
1: article of diet. Ah, Patrick, have you no soul? (laughs) Well,
0: that's a good one coming from you.
1: No, fasting's
0: all very well when it's done by a definite act of will. Let's not make a virtue of necessity the right deed for the wrong reason. There's only one way of describing my time on Slemish, and that's hell on earth. I was starving, freezing. I didn't even know enough to know that I should have faith and hope in God above. Or it might have been worth it. God would show me the way, of course. He would find me out and teach me faith
1: and hope and charity, the greatest virtue. The Fiena had their virtues, too. We had kindness in our hearts, truth in our tongues, and strength in our arms. It got us nowhere at the end of the day. The old order has melted away. The new ways will come easy, though.
0: There's no need to worry. My God is powerful,
1: but he is gentle. If I saw your god and Gull Morna wrestling on the lawns at Tara and I saw Gull go under, then I would say your god is the better man, but not before. Maybe we ought to discuss this further. Well, my time's my own. Let's meet tomorrow. We'll meet at Tara. of the king's great Tara's wood. Many's a time a great household assembled on these slopes when there were throngs of men and horses as far as the eye could see. Ten score princes made up that household and as many young girls of marriageable age. Oh, you're a great one for the backwood look. They're all gone into the ground and the grass has grown over them. That great company died in their beds on one night. It was then, believe it or not, that I began to wonder if there wasn't one god with power and dominion over all. You mean you had a vision? Not a vision, exactly. But it came as a shock, as it always does, that so many noble men and women were snatched away as they lay sleeping. I had a dream,
0: a vision, while I tended pigs on Slemish. An angel came to me as I lay huddled under an old sack and showed me the way to the coast and a sailing ship that would bring me back to Calpurnia as my father. I rose and followed, but knowing all the time that I would come again. And you did come back to Plagueis. But you've just said that you intuited that there is one God with power and dominion over everyone. Is that not what you want to hear? Of course it is, but not if it's not what you want to say. Death and destruction should never give
1: reason to religion. I understand that your own God died like the rest of us. He died, but he rose again. And where is he now?
0: He's in heaven, but he will return on Judgment Day. To hunt down all you've
1: overlooked. My God is infinitely good, good and kind. Well, he shouldn't have any trouble cornering me or my kind. We have lost our wind. Even if you had all your strength, God would set you out and track you down. You ought to give in as gracefully as you've grown old. There were three rivers that used to pour from Finn's camp on a morning when the sun shone brightly. A river of men and a river of horses and a river of hounds. Once we roused a beautiful skittish white fawn at Torrey in the north of Ireland. Six of us warriors followed it from Torrey to the mountain of Eye. The skittish wild fawn went headfirst underground and we did not know where it had gone. A heavy snowstorm fell then and we were floundering about in drifts with sleep blinding us. Finn asked me to look for shelter from the storm. I cast about over the shoulder of the hill to the south, and as I gazed around me I saw a fairy hill, brightly lit, with many drinking cups and bowls and cups of glass and pale gold inside. I stared a long time into the fairy hill, then decided to go across into it. I sat down on a crystal chair on the floor and took a look around me. There were twenty-eight warriors on one side of the house with a lovely fair-haired woman beside each of them. There were six gentle, youthful, yellow-haired girls on the other side of the house with shaggy cloaks around their shoulders and a gentle, yellow-haired girl in a chair on the floor of the house with a harp in her hand which she was strumming. Every time she sang a song, a horn was given to her to drink out of. Everyone was sporting and amusing themselves around her. She looked in my direction then, let me wash your feet, Hoshin, she said. I will not allow it at all, said I, for there is a company which is nobler than myself just beyond the hill, Finn McCool and his men, and he wouldn't be averse to a bit of food and shelter in this fairy hill tonight. Then she said, Go and fetch Finn McCool, for no man was ever turned away from his door, and he shall not be turned away by us. Now, what's the gist of this piece
0: of history?
1: Only that goodness is something I've met with before the goodness of the open door, the welcoming arms of a woman. Is that not a rather narrow view of the world? Woe to him who speaks ill of women. It's not fair to abuse them. They don't deserve all the blame they've had over the years. Their words are sweet to me, sweet their voices. They do no murder or treachery. They do no sacrilege to church or bell. They say that there's never been bishop or king or great prophet without fault but from a woman. I wouldn't be so sure of that. It's a pity, though, that they have no time for an old, fat, grey beard like me. I wish I was young again, but I wouldn't have a hard word said against them. Ah, O'Sheen,
0: you have put your trust in things that pass away. Can't you see there's more to life than three square meals a day and a woman at dusk?
1: Of course it's not the whole story. But life is like that. There's no getting away from it. There's a limited number of paths through the forest. Now that the trees are thinning out and this clearing may
0: be the last before the featureless plains and the distant mountains, don't you think you should take pause and
1: lie down in the fountain and renew yourself for the long journey? To the other side, is that what you mean? I should really have mentioned I've been there and back again. You've had a glimpse of heaven? A glimpse? Man, dear, I've spent 300 years in the land of eternal youth. Have you heard of High Would I be right in thinking it's one of these islands in the
0: Western Seas? A sort of earthly paradise, plenty of eating and
1: drinking? No, it wasn't always sweetness and light. I remember as we journeyed there, we passed an island where a great shepherd lived. There was a wall running up the middle of the island that the shepherd straddled. On one side of the wall was a flock of white sheep, on the other side they were black. The thing was that he would lift a white sheep over the wall and it would turn black, or he would lift a black one over and it would turn white. I've heard some say that's their idea of what it's like on the other side course they haven't seen the islands we came to then, for they were the real thing. You weren't just a pawn in a game of chess in the islands of the blessed. Well, don't stop there. Tell me more. And why should I? Aren't you assured of a place in the sun in the other world? I won't be the one to spoil it for you. You'd have nothing to look forward to if you knew what was in store for you.
0: Oh, I've never heard such garbage. You're making it up as you go along. Three hundred years in the land of eternal youth. And you told me the fear uh, told only the truth. I swear to God, listening to these old yarns of yours is only keeping
1: me from my prayers. If you think your salt are more fun than the story of Finn, I would think it no great harm to carry your head off your shoulders. You ought to listen to your elders.
0: I'd have little to do to be listening to tall tales from a 400-year-old Egypt
1: like you. I suppose you'll be off now for your beauty sleep. You wouldn't shake your crozier at me if Oscar were here. He'd break it over your ignorant head. God and his clergy, for all their qualities, are no better than Finn and his men, even if they're all dead. Finn's dead, all right. And roasting in hell like a stuck pig. What sort of god is that, who wouldn't release an old man from torture and pain? What has he got to gain? If Finn had had it in his power, your god would not have suffered at anyone's expense. Finn, whose only joy was to sleep by the roar of the falls at Assaroe, to follow the deer, the smoke drifting over the tents at daybreak.
0: Well, there's any amount of smoke where he is now. You'll see yourself soon enough. But then you'd have nothing to look forward to... if you knew what was in store for you. Ah, you're a lost cause, O'Sheen. God's mercy may not be infinite. It might just stop short of you. I've had enough of your insolence. I leave you to your just deserts. I've never met such an old die-hard. If you can't see the light and thereby see your way, to see the error of your ways, I say good (laughs) night. Imagine a sower, he said, going out to sow. Now it happened that as he sowed, some of the seed fell on the edge of the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky ground, where it found a little soil and sprang up straight away. But because there was no depth of earth, When the sun came up it was scorched and not having any roots it withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it produced no crop and some seeds fell into rich soil and growing tall and strong produced a crop and yielded thirty sixty, even a hundredfold, and he said, listen, anyone who has ears to hear, listen, anyone who has ears to hear. The corn is listening to God. The ears of the corn are straining to hear his word. The sort of image simple people understand. Perhaps the image of a simple man. No. A simple way of speaking only. I wonder, was he lonely among farmers and fishermen and speaking a language they would get to grips with when he spoke? I'd like to have heard him. That was his great gift, giving the ordinary a little twist, to give new meaning to the fire on the hill of slain, to shed new light on old flames, and then to pick as common a thing as shamrock, to stand for something as big as as the Trinity. Everything comes in threes in this country, anyhow. Three virtues held in esteem in Ireland, a clever rhyme, harp music, a well-shaved chin, three smiles that are worse than sorrow, the smile of melting snow, your wife's smile when she's just left her lover, The smile of a greyhound about to spring. Three scarcities that are better than plenty. A scarcity of cows in a small field. A scarcity of company over a drink. A scarcity of smart talk. Three persons in one Godhead. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's as easy as A, B, C. Of course, there's the mystery of the unity of the Trinity. Any number of shamrocks can't take away from that. There has to be that element of not quite understanding. Christ could see the point of it. I can see the point of it. And the Irish are certainly going to see the point of it. It's the point where metaphors break down that mysteries begin. That's the important thing. I remember one smart Alec Bogtrotter who brought me a four-leaf shamrock once. I told him it was clover and sent him away a happier man. I wasn't absolutely sure of my facts, but he wasn't either. So it didn't matter. What you don't know can't hurt you, to say. I don't know. What I do know is that what you don't know is always interesting. Everybody knows that. And the thing about ignorance is that if you are ignorant of one thing, you can easily be ignorant of one or two other things. If, for example, you believe that fairies might steal your child, you might as well have it baptized in holy water as buttermilk. There's only one thing better than an insurance policy, and that's two insurance policies. That's basic psychology. I wonder, was I a little hard on Oshin and his old ways? Maybe so. If ever we meet again, I'll try to ignore his self-centeredness. After all, he is made in God's image and likeness. For the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer going out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. He agreed with them on a wage of a silver coin a day and sent them to work. About nine o'clock he went out and saw some others standing about in the marketplace with nothing to do. You go to the vineyard too, he said to them, and I will pay you a fair wage. And off they went. At about midday, and again at about three o'clock in the afternoon, he went out and did the same thing. Then about five o'clock he went out and found some others standing about. Why are you standing about here all day doing nothing, he asked them. Because no one has employed us, they replied. You go off into the vineyard as well, then, he said. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the labourers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last and ending with the first. So those who were engaged at five o'clock came up and each man received a silver coin. But when the first to be employed came, they reckoned they would get more, but they also received a silver coin a man. As they took their money, they grumbled at the farmer and said, These last fellows have only put in one hour's work and you've treated them exactly the same as us who have gone through all the hard work and heat of the day. But he replied to one of them. My friend, I am not being unjust to you. Wasn't our agreement for a silver coin a day? Take your money and go home. It is my wish to give the late comer as much as I give you. May I not do what I like with what belongs to me? Must you be jealous because I am generous? So many who are the last now will be first then and the first.
1: It was at the end of a day's hunting that Finn and I found ourselves with nothing to show but our two tired hounds. We looked around for some sign of life. Then we saw a light burning from the tower of a high dune. The servants in this fort had already gone to bed, but the master was still awake. He was sitting beside his fire when we knocked. He made us welcome. Welcome. He knew that we had been hunting all day in the mountains, but he paid almost more attention to the two hounds, Bran and Schiolon. They ate that night from plates of silver and were stretched now on the hearth. Bran's ears were red, her legs yellow, the rest of her body was black, except for a white spot on her breast and a scatter of white on her back, as if a shower of hail had fallen on her. Skiolin was spotted yellow on a ground of black, the spots growing smaller towards the neck and very small about the head and ears, like a leopard. Both were sleek and shining. There was no beast in the world they could not pull down. I see you are a lover of hounds, said Finn to the man of the house. The man of the house looked up. Your dogs are famous the world over. I was wondering just now where you came by them long ago, said Finn. I was spending the night in a hut on Schlieve Bloom. It was wild outside. I should tell you that just before my mother's sister had disappeared. It was supposed that she had been taken by spirits or wizards and she had been seen afterwards in the shape of a beautiful hound. I was lying in bed, listening to the howling wind when I thought I heard another very small, delicate sound above the uproar. It was like the tinkling of a small bell. Then I heard knocking at the door. When I opened the door, I was dazzled as if by lightning. A beautiful woman was standing there, very tall and slender, with a basket in her hand. She gave me the basket, saying, ''I have brought these to you, Finn, for I have always heard it said that cousins should be cousinly.'' With that she disappeared. There were two blind pups inside the basket, and their colouring was exactly the same as Bran and Schiolan, for Bran and Schiolan are my own cousins. That was the thing about Finn. Everything belonged to him, and he belonged to everything. He didn't try to melt down the world. He just left well enough alone. He saw the place of every stone and stream and tree and hill. Everything flowed perfectly well. Everything could be contained... If it rained, it rained, and you took shelter as best you could. If a deer escaped you in the wood, well, then it should. Patrick can't see the wood for the trees. It's odd that someone like him, who spends so much time on his knees, can't see the world is at his feet. The world is turning over, though, that's all I know for sure. And when the world is turning over, it's best and simplest to go along. You're in really big trouble if the world and yourself are moving in different circles. You have to be up to all the tricks and on the side that's winning. That's basic politics. And it's not so hard at my time of life to be thinking of final things. It's the young I pity. Men of my age have been known to take a wife. It may well come as a new lease of life. When you get down to the nitty-gritty, it doesn't much matter how you live, so long as you're living at all. And death? As winter follows fall, as season turns to season, the wind is keen, the hill bare, the lake frozen. A body could stand on a blade of grass and it would not break. The wolves are hunting in packs, the robin ripening in the bare tree is the only fruit. I remember when Finn and the Fianna debated this question. What is the finest music in the world? I said, the cuckoo calling in the field. A good sound, said Finn. Oscar spoke then. The ring of a spear on a shield is sweetest to my ears. That too is a good sound, said Finn. The other warriors spoke in turn. The belling of a stag in the evening, the baying of bran and schiolan... The laughter of a sweet young thing. Those are good sounds, all, said Finn. Well, Finn, I said, what's your opinion? He looked all around him. The music of what's happening.
0: I'd like a hut in the wood that none would know but my lord. An ash tree on one side, on the other a hazel. There'd be two heathery doorposts, a lintel of honeysuckle and woods all round with fat swine truffling. Then an apple tree or two. Beauty of bath, no surrender. And a good spring well with water in abundance even in the hottest summer. Next, a flowering cherry, wild deer. A badger, maybe, that would come to my door at supper time. A patch of strawberry with wild marjoram and watercresses. The chant of wood
1: pigeons. The hymn of a hive of bees. I couldn't help overhearing. You paint a lovely scene of this little hut in the clearing. Oh, Sheen, it's good to
0: see you again. Yes, I mean to retire to a place in the country for some peace and quiet the better to contemplate the greatness and goodness of God. It's difficult to concentrate when you're surrounded by all and sundry. I'm sorry. The greatness of God isn't your idea of a conversation piece. You'll forgive me, won't you? How's the world been treating you since I saw you last? Must have been a month ago.
1: I've been looking back over the scenes of my youth and manhood. It was good to be back on the hill of Hoth, overlooking the White Sea the peak where Finn and the Fianna used to be, and where Dermot hid with Gronio when they were being hunted. I can remember warriors in their hundreds among the Rowans, the Wild Garlic, the loveliest spot in all Ireland. It was a sad thing to look back on the Hill of Hoth.
0: I dreamed of you in the meantime. You dreamed of me. At least I dreamed about you. An angel of the Lord came to me and I asked if it was displeasing to God that I should have listened to all your stories. What harm would that have done? Exactly. None. For what the angel had to say was that Finn was a prophet in his way. A sort of John the Baptist living in the wilderness, dressed in a robe of camel hair and eating locusts and honey, preparing the way of
1: the Lord. Finn wore only saffron next his skin. He ate off gold plate and then only the best of mate. You say that Finn believed in your God. He never gave me that impression. When I mention
0: John the Baptist, it's by way of a biblical allusion. I mean that Finn was essentially a Christian. He embodied some very Christian virtues, like loving your neighbour. Of course, he should have loved God first. But 50% is not a bad mark. Tell me more about this John the Baptist. A voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare a way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill laid low. The winding ways will be straightened. The rough roads made smooth. John the Baptist had a rough road all right. He was thrown in prison.
1: And then there was this dancing girl. A dancing girl? I knew a dancer once, and boys are boys, could she not dance? Whose name was Salome.
0: Well, Salome danced before the king, who was so taken by her, he offered her anything she wished. She said that all she wanted was John the Baptist's
1: head on a dish. That reminds me of the story of MacDaho's pig. There was this great feast at Macdaho's house, a whole roast pig on the spit. There was some dispute as to who should have the champion's portion. Ket McMagga was putting his word in, saying that anyone who denied his rights the best cut would have to fight. Then who should arrive but Connell Kernock? I'm glad, says Connell. the pig is waiting. Who's going to carve? Ket McMagga went off in a huff, but not before a parting shot. If Anduin were here, says Ket, "Connell Kernock would be in trouble. Anduin was wild as a young colt. But Anne Loon is here, says Connell, and he takes a bloody head from his belt and flings it onto the table. Was the story of John the Baptist something along those lines?
0: Something like that.
1: Then he lived in cruel times. Connell Koenig's sense of humour doesn't really appeal to me any more than this woman Salome's. Women can be like that at times. They can indeed. They're both bad and good. You ever hear
0: the one about the best and the worst nail in the ark? There was a time when God sent a flood to punish the world. Only the people who were good were allowed to escape. Now, one of the workmen on the ark was afraid he'd be left behind, so he left a hole for a nail. I expect he thought if he didn't get on board, he'd make sure it would sink. When God gave the word, this good man Noah and his children went on to the ark and drew up the gang plank behind them. The devil, who isn't one to be left out of things, could find no other way in but the hole which the workman had left, and he slipped in there in the form of a snake, but the hole was so tight he could go neither forward nor back, and he stared like that till the flood had ebbed and the ark was on dry ground, and that was the best and worst nail in the ark. Women can be like that, I've
1: found. I've heard that one of the tasks you have set yourself is to rid Ireland of snakes and other creepy crawlies. That's right, O'Sheen. Well, that should come as no great problem, where well, there aren't any snakes to begin with. Ah, your literal mindedness.
0: One of these days you'll reach up and touch rock bottom. You've got to admit there are elements in this society we'd all be better off without. I use the word snake as a figure of speech.
1: I've often thought of those who have stood on a windswept beach of Ireland, their eyes full of the promise of change. The first invader was Parthelon. He and all belonging to him died of a plague. The Fomorians, the Firbolg, the Tour de Danon, the Milesians, the Gael, they swallowed each other up like a snake eating its tail. Or worse, simply swallowed by the land. For Ireland can accommodate so many rivers and streams that you'd be hard put to it to say where one ends and another begins. The important thing
0: is that the rivers run side by side in the same direction. When the rains come down, they're forced to broaden their minds, not to take such a narrow
1: view, to admit the subject of correction. I suppose all that applies to your own sweet self as well as to the rest of us. I expect it does. I expect it does.
0: But not to anything like the same extent, you must understand. I'm not bent on destroying what you hold dear. I should have made that clear. I'm only doing a job. We can all have
1: the best
0: of both worlds.
1: But only the best. And you say that Finn turned the first sod for you and your church and your God. Well, I suppose he might. Finn was a very private man when I think of him. He kept himself to himself. Often we sat up all night talking about the old days. There were old days even then. I remember when we were camped at a holy well not far from here, where I noticed him sitting, sucking his thumb and deep in thought. I remarked that this was a baby's habit, jokingly, of course. Finn told me a story of how he had gone to live as a child with the wisest man in all Ireland, so as to learn humility. Every day this old fellow would catch a salmon from the Boyne, and Finn would cook it for his supper. Finn had been there only a week when the old man asked him if he had eaten some of the fish. Finn said that he hadn't, apart from touching it with his thumb to see if it was properly cooked and then licking his thumb clean. As it turned out, the salmon was the salmon of knowledge, and from that day onward, Finn was the wisest man in all Ireland, and when he was beset by problems, he simply sucked his thumb that was indelibly sweetened.
0: The salmon of knowledge, the nuts of wisdom, they're only a form of sacrament, a visible
1: sign, an embodiment of the grace of God bestowed on his people. There were very few, I'm telling you, who got to eat the salmon of knowledge, let alone the nuts of wisdom. Well, this is the thing about being a Christian. There's a slice of
0: the cake for everyone. You mentioned a holy well just now. In what way was it holy?
1: It's a fresh spring well in a grove of holly that has always been a sacred place. A place where I have gone myself for a cure for rheumatism. And did its waters prove a chrism? They did indeed, at least for a while. So long as you had faith in their healing powers. Well, at least until the weather changed and I was crippled with pain. But I hung a rag as a token on the branch of a fairy thorn, and I was eased for a while again. If you feel well
0: enough to travel, we might go over to this holy well, and I would bless it and baptize you in waters whereby you'd be born again and never more would be heartbroken.
1: Or at least until the weather changed. At least as long
0: as you have faith. And never will your flesh be singed in the
1: flames of hell. You'll go straight to heaven. You will lie down by the pools of Shiloh. I'd like to think, if it were not amiss, that this holy well is no more shallow or deeper than the pools of Shiloh. The fairy thorn no less true than the cross... But tell me, Patrick, by your book and bell, could Finn McCool really be in hell?
0: Oh, one can never be certain, of course. But I've got the feeling that Finn is hunting with Brian and Sjolen over the wooded hills of heaven.
1: In that case, I will go with you to the holy well at Asserow, but for no other reason, you understand, than the chance of seeing my lord again and following the hunt through those wooded places with Bran and Shkjolin straining their traces.
0: I understand. I understand. And perhaps when my own life is over, we'll all take delight in the deer breaking cover. I understand. Are you ready, then? We'll go hand in hand.
1: was a time when I thought the cooing of ring doves sweeter than the small talk of monks. A time when I would be quite drunk on one blackbird's cupful of notes. When my life was ruled not by bells, but the belling of stags. Even the howling of wolves was friendlier than a pack of priests with their incessant moaning and whining. A time when a sprig of watercress meant more to me than the holy host when all I knew of Matins was a woman yawning and stretching the following morning. These things I loved since boyhood, a girl, a stranger, a grey horse. I have given all that up, for better or worse, for a back seat in Patrick's